Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren, aka Obocrazy, and this episode is not your standard D&D episode where normally we sit down and me and my friends play a bunch of D&D for you guys, for entertainment, and for us for entertainment. We're doing a little bit of an intro to our characters because this episode actually comes out the week of Podcasts of Annihilation, which if you haven't heard just yet is a special event that Wizards of the Coast is running specifically to celebrate their new release of Tomb of Annihilation, which is their new big thing that's coming out. So 10 different podcasts got together. We were able to do some episodes early to use some of the bits of Tomb of Annihilation to help celebrate it, basically. And you can actually hear that episode this week on the Dungeon Delve feed on iTunes. It will also be appearing on our normal feed. So if you are subscribed to us, first off, thank you, we love you. But also you will be hearing that episode. It is in canon and coming up probably next week. But if you'd like a sneak peek of that episode, plus if you'd like to listen to a whole bunch of other amazing podcasts that also play D&D for their and your entertainment you should go subscribe to the Dungeon Dell feed. Our specific episode comes out on Thursday with the Venture Maidens, who, for reasons that you'll see soon, have become very good friends of ours and are filled with awesome people. But before we get into other podcasts, we should talk about ourselves. So normally at the beginning of every episode, we spend a moment and I ask all of my players what they're drinking because this is Dungeon Drunks. We don't always drink alcohol, but on a regular basis, we do. Now, I am your DM, so I don't have to describe who exactly I am, but I will say that what I am currently drinking out of my giant D&D mug is just orange juice and vodka, because I'm poor and that's all I had in the house. But it is kind of delicious. Bernie, aka Jules, what are you drinking? And why don't you describe your character for us? All right. So I am drinking a Green Man Amber Ale. It's really cool. It's just this, like, super green man. So I'm drinking a Green Man Special Amber Ale, and it is from the Green Man Brewing Company in Asheville, North Carolina. So I'm from North Carolina, and we have, like, a bajillion local brewing companies all over the state. And I like drinking mm-hmm. stuff from them. Um, but it also puts me in the horrible position of not knowing what I like when I go to any other place that's not my home because I have like, I want this by this. I can always get something I like. And then I look at everybody else's beer choices and I'm just stumped and I feel like an idiot. And Aww. I'm super excited because this is like excited and sad. This is my last time recording in North Carolina. So the next thing I'll be doing is I'll be exploring all the local beers in Ottawa. Yay! Uh, where I... We'll be moving with my boyfriend. Uh, I have a Canadian boyfriend and I didn't make him up. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, this is funny because since you're moving to Canada now, you get to be the, no, wait, I didn't make up my American girlfriend. I know. I know. And then here she is. She's real. I'm right here. Um, So let's let's talk about Bernie. Bernie is, she's the cleric. She heals the party on occasion when they don't do something stupid. Uh, but if you've done something stupid, you get to pay. You get to pay the iron price for it. 
Which is usually Bernie <laughs> complaining bitterly while she well, still begrudgingly well, heals them. I'll like put a band-aid on it. I'm not gonna waste like major spell slides. I mean, there was that one time that like the bear fell down a well and I was like, well, I was like, I'm still kind of rooting for rooting against the bear, but whatever. Uh so Bernie Bernie is uh one of those happy orphans who was um given to the church, like most unwanted children in two large families are. So and her dad was eaten by a bear. Thank you very much, Travancore. You knew this when you got that bear. In fairness, he didn't go out and find a bear. He didn't, like, purchase it from the bear shop. You guys came across Shadow and his killed family. So it wasn't, this was not a a intentional slighting of the history of your family. Yeah, but nobody let me also kill the bear. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, what what can I say about Bernie? She is disciple of the goddess Queen Bay. Of the bee and the flame. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if we should, like, I feel like you just need, you just need to experience that. The thing about Bernie, she is utter and absolute faith, but she's not super about the bullshit of religion. So she's very, she's totally, totally fine to like throw one over on you. Like, I think the best descriptor when I was reading about gnomes is gnomes live a really, really, really long time. And unlike elves have made the decision that there is no reason to take life seriously if you are going to live so very long, which I felt like a huge, huge, like, kind of connection to like she's always like there is there are very few times when she's actually angry but when she's really angry you know it and i think one of the only times that came along is like when we were healing the stone people and i almost started a giant fight Mm. so like i think that's i mean i think that's birdie in a nutshell she's always fucking with you and if she's not fucking with you 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 should be worried well, so we talked a little bit about shadow so let us move to travancore aka Jack, the Viceroy of Glenmar, what are you drinking, and who do you play? Good people of Faerun. Uh, the Viceroy's choice this evening is sort of in line with the atypical nature of this week's recording. Um, it's water. Deer Park Spring Water. And the reason it's Deer Park Spring Water and not something that is, you know, tasty or something the Viceroy would normally indulge in is because this is the last session we're recording in uh, Glibshark East Studios in uh, Chester County. So I've already moved to meet back to media. My house, all my things are there. In fact, even the mic that I use normally is there. So if my tones are not so dulcet, I promise you we sound better <laughs> in regular episodes or I sound better specifically. You do. And two it, two fifths of our players or of our people right now, literally, this is the last time that they're recording from their current location. I, yeah. I didn't Look even realize that. It's just back now. There. Normally, there's a big armoire back there. There is none to yeah. be had. So next week, you get to see my basement studio. Yay! Let's let's wax philosophics um, about the, the voice word of Glenmore. Um, Travancore is a half-elf. A beastmaster ranger. Uh, what that means is uh, his ancestry has both human and elf stuff in there. He is from the kingdom of Perconum, which is not located in Thayrune, so Travancore sort of has an outsider's perspective on everything. I think it parallels a little bit of my relative ignorance to Dungeons & Dragons going into it. I mean, I played a couple of games here and there, but I was never a regular player. So anytime I get something wrong in-game, I'm able to explain it. Oh, that's not how they do it back in the kingdom of Perconum. Travancore's backstory and heritage is uh, healthy mix of Southwest Indian heritage, specifically Kerala culture, which is where my family's from, where my wife is from, where my parents are from, and Southeast Philadelphia. 
So, well, Glenmar is a portmanteau of Glenside and Bryn Mawr, or Belmar, or any of the other Mars in the Philadelphia area. Uh, that's the reason he says Waters Deep instead of Water Deep. <laughs> it's just. I'm sorry, I did not know this, and it tickles me so much. I also love that there is so much white Western culture that ends up, especially in, in these kind of high fantasy games. I love that when you're drawing from your background and your history, that you're bringing languages and words and traditions and stuff that you don't necessarily get to see in the high medieval fantasy that we play in. And I love that so much. And I think that's what makes Stravancourt an, an outsider, so to speak. But he's still a noble, still has very regal bearings, but he's also a ranger. So he's sort of used to having less than ideal things. So he's not hoity-toity necessarily, but he is definitely kind of the fish out of water, I would say. In a, fish in out, a fish out of water. Yes. Well, case in point, like I'm, I'm not censoring my Philadelphianess here. And of course, we they mentioned uh, Shadow. Uh, he's a Beastmaster Ranger, and the animals we chose, like we, Laura and I, were going over there. Originally, I was thinking about doing like a uh, like that, like a like a pseudo dragon or something. But they, I, I heard that they're not like the best choice. Like normally for a ranger, it's uh, X amount of things. So I went bear, not realizing <laughs> the, that in uh, in Jules's backstory that her father was eaten by a bear. So that's made for a lot of interesting storytelling and tension within the group. I mean, we kind of put out a Fantastic Four vibe in that we're always constantly bickering. But uh, but I think that, that that conflict is definitely very pointed. Even when we were fighting the Rot Demon, I was, spoiler warning, I was wondering whether she was going to even heal Shadow or whether Shadow was going to have a hero's death. I'll tell you point. a fun thing. I really considered not doing it. Just like, <laughs> God, there's our friendship. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is the point at which a seven-year friendship ends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what was what was your reasoning and why did you decide? Now, you didn't actually have to heal Shadow for reasons, but why were you considering that and what made you change your mind? I just really think, like, how I would play it is, like, I would always heal, like, if it was Julia in the game, Jules, whatever, I would heal, I would probably be healing people immediately and I probably wouldn't be doing anything offensively, but, like, I really want to have Bernie be a character whose decisions I would honor. And I think admittedly, I think like as like the person she is now, she's like all like she's totally like down with like where she, where she is, but she got there through a pretty shit road. And I think like in stressful situations, people have behaviors that they always go back to. It's I think it's the reason why when we fight with our siblings, we sink back into the shit that we did to each other when we were young, right? Like when you are when you are in a stressful situation, you will react in certain ways almost like kind of always. And I think that probably holds true for like trauma. So I think for Bernie, it's like anytime she's got to heal this fucking bear, she's in a situation where she's like not happy. The raw demon shit was bad. But also like she's, that's always going to be like raw for her or like she's always going to go back to the shit. You never let shit go. I think there's people that like, I just let it go. No, if you let it go, you wouldn't be telling me that you're letting it go, right? So I think like for her, Bernie would totally consider not healing that bear. And the only thing that would keep her healing the bear is like being like, well, but this will hurt Travancore. Like, mm. that's it for her. She's like, she like sits there and she's like, well, I don't like your bear. 
but I like you, you're my friend, and I care about you, and she's, like, long since realized that Travancore's probably gonna be the only one of their group that's, like, left alive when she's alive, so she's not gonna break that relationship unless something really bad's going down, but no, I seriously was like, Julia heals the bear immediately, doesn't want the fun animal friend to die, Bernie is, got scars and is selfish and does you know does what she wants to do and i was like maybe i just won't heal your bear this time and then i was like "Mm, maybe she will that's why i think i did something else before i think i was like i gotta choose the thing that bernie would do and not the thing that i want to do yeah that's that's the fun part of of role playing that i mean 90 percent of the time travancore and jack sort of make similar decisions it just makes it easier to play the character but every now and again, when I have to consider like the ramifications of him being like a noble, of him having this sort of this heritage that he doesn't really talk about a lot, but he's sort of responsible to, that I have to make decisions that sort of encounter to what I would do, or if I would take a ri- he would take a risk that I wouldn't, because I am not in fact an archer and a warrior, so I would make warrior archer sort of decisions. But you know, the RP element of it is great, and I think it's one of the reasons I people listen to the show because the the story lines that are ongoing, the arcs are are great. And I think that's why D and D in itself is such a, a fantastic game. And I think there's nothing wrong with playing a character that you're comfortable with being very close to yourself because there are going to be those inherent differences and then you know a character that's further away is just more of a challenge and it's been fun watching that interplay and i i will say this i i do think bernie is you say she may she may never like the bear but i think she is learning to tolerate shadow and I, I only say this because there's been a couple of instances very recently, uh, one in a in an episode that just came out before this episode in where Bernie made Shadow a, a crown for Bay Day when she didn't have to. There was no requirement of keeping that bear alive or doing anything, but she she might have begrudgingly did it. And she might have she might say out loud, we didn't ask in the episode, she might say out loud, she might brush it off as well. I didn't want to upset Travancore or something, but. This might be a a companionship that never turns into a a friendship, but I do feel like she might be a, she's she's an intelligent woman. She knows when this bear is giving her pleading eyes all the time. So if nothing if nothing else, it's a way to sort of keep people on their toes. To sort of like I said, Bernie's always messing with people. Like if you do the thing they don't expect, that keeps them on their toes. You, I also you zag find when they your bear is so cute in real life. <laughs> so Jules it's adorable. Shadow. To me, the human, <laughs> adorable. Well, I will say, as as the DM who often has to, I don't necessarily RP Shadow a hundred percent. Like if Travancore sh- says Shadow feels or does this, then Jack Shadow is your creature. Yeah. But I I tend to do a lot of the RP, and I do feel like when given the chance, Shadow gives is the most kind and caring and gentle with Bernie because he can tell. But you make the best bear noises. You do. Like, I think like 50% of the RP for Shadow comes from, from our DM. And 100% of that is stolen directly from Matthew Mercer, who also makes the best bear noises. And if I am half the bear, he is. But they're coming out of your body. <laughs> well, moving on to other people with animal companions. Jonathan. Hi. What are you drinking? And who do you play? Uh, this is Jonathan. I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight... I have vodka. That's it. Oh my god, Just but describe vodka. the glass. 
You have to describe <laughs> the glass. Yeah. It's got uh, it's got sunflowers on it. It was with the big set we got when we bought this house of uh, of housewares. Oh, uh, oh, uh, that's that's vodka. Yep. I just <laughs> that's vodka. Straight complete vodka. opposite of what I did, by the way. Only it's the same color. We need to put Travancore and Jonathan together to make essentially one drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, I was gonna cut it, but I'm like, no. I'm not going to cut it. I also have a shot of Fireball, which is something that we've been doing lately uh, that I've been doing to myself for some reason <laughs> because it's funny. And uh, I dedicate these shots to to different people. Today, I'm dedicating this to all our new listeners. If you are just tuning into us for the first time, welcome. Thank you for taking some time to listen to us. And uh, this this shot is for you right now. Wait. First question, what are you chasing that shot of fireball with, friend? Iced tea. Vodka? Okay, I was... Iced tea. <laughs> I was like, he's got three drinks. He's got an entire bar. Shot with a shot? He's, he's shot horrific. I thought about it. Jonathan, who do you play? <laughs> I play Jonathan the Match Muscular. He is a human wizard of the Evocation School. If I were to describe him, he is basically a walking pile of muscle that can cast spells. Uh, he has a higher strength than some fighters I've seen, and a high as yeah, high. Yeah, you rolled really well. Yeah, so uh, as a little bit of a preview, Lauren did allow us to roll stats in a controlled environment on roll twenty, and I rolled hot. I rolled really hot. It was it was kind of amazing. So I got my eighteen almost right away in my intellect, and then he has a strength of sixteen and a constitution of. 18. There's no reason why he should have these stats. That 18 should be in his decks for his AC, but it's not. So anyway, he's a lot like me. He has found everything up to his adventuring career uh, very easy. Uh, He breezed through life pretty much. Uh, He had a few hiccups along the way, but when he got into wizarding school, he was just very, very, very good at it. He didn't really have to try all that hard. He excelled at at blowing stuff up. And as he came out of Wizarding College and made his way into a box canyon where there was a wedding feast, and then after that, uh, or a box canyon for peace negotiations, then a wedding feast, and joined up with who would eventually become the Heralds of Greenest, he had never failed. He had never, there was nothing he couldn't do. And then almost right away, he was one of the first characters to get dropped in a fight, uh, reduced to zero hit points, which... Uh, was sort of a formative moment for him. And, and he is very much like me. Uh, he is, he's got some of my same sensibilities as far as like people and, and how he deals with his friends. But he's kind of dialed to 11 as far as the, uh, as the bro factor. Like he is definitely a lot more, uh, a lot more outgoing than I am, a lot more bombastic than I am. And, uh, and it comes across when he's fighting, when he decides to detonate a fireball in his, in the middle of his party. So often. And unfortunately, fortunately, he is able to save his friends and harm his enemies when he does that. So I, I don't think it's a fortunate thing. I think that says something about Jonathan the Magimuscular that he wouldn't, didn't, couldn't, decided not to do, you know, wh- whichever adjective you'd like to use, set off those fireballs until he was able to sculpt them around his friends. Because I think at this point, you have yet to cast fireball and even accidentally 
hurt one of your friends. You've hurt a couple of inanimate objects and carts, but you've always been very careful about... And eyebrows. Eyebrows are not safe from my fury. And you turn Shadow into a psychotic fire bear. Yeah, well, Shadow and Jonathan have kind of joined forces in the, the Shadow's belief that he is a fire bear. That's... Jonathan can't be wholly blamed for that. So, speaking of, of you dropping to zero hit points you you did go unconscious but you didn't die right but to this day in all the 80 some odd episodes that that we have there is only one character that i have killed and that has been your familiar bucks oh god that was so hard bucks is jonathan's pygmy owl familiar so he takes his stats from a from an owl but as far as flavor, he is a tiny pygmy owl, which just makes him more adorable. And you can't see this, but I'm showing him to the Skype call. This is Bucks. He has actually made an appearance at one of our live shows, and uh, he is adorable, and I love him. Bucks has been interesting because it's it's allowed me to explore like this idea of what happens to you when you die in the D&D world. And I know that early on when in... Bucks and uh, and Jonathan's relationship, he actually straight up asked Bucks, hey, what happens if you die? And Bucks, he's smarter than an owl. I mean, he's a part celestial. And he really didn't have a good answer. And he kind of didn't want to find out. And then we found out. And that was that was a really good opportunity, as sad as it was, to really dig into the character and and feel something. That was that was rough on me personally, but it, I think it's a credit to to Lauren. Uh, it's a credit to my team, and it's a it's a credit to all the other uh, Dungeons and Dragons that I've kind of consumed in the last couple of years. Uh, uh, C Team and uh, especially Critical Role. I've learned to role play a little bit better to tap into feelings that that I didn't know I could tap into, and that's that's been awesome. That's been great, and and blowing stuff up is really fun too. That, that's awesome, too. And to be fair, Buck's dying because he is a familiar, because the the way familiars work, you are allowed to resummon them. And I, I did have an extra little bit of a role in there to make sure that you'd summoned him and not someone else. But yeah, I, that's, that's a little different than, a, a, say, if Carlton were to die. Uh, <laughs> oh, be a God. little bit of a, a difference, which I only mentioned because we haven't talked about him yet. But yeah, that definitely Bucks Bucks's dying was one of those moments. I also thought it was interesting you had kept him out of the line of fire, literally, and then he he died helping his friends, literally. And then I thought the the moment where you guys got together so that you could summon him again was was really special. Now, actually, before we move on to Carlton, we're going to insert our first question of the evening. We solicited some questions on Twitter and at our email address, contact at dungeondrunks.com. And Linnea Boyev, who actually is the woman who composed our theme music, did submit one question asking, Jonathan, will you do your intro in a high-pitched girly squeal? So before we move on, Jonathan... (laughs) Can you introduce yourself in a high-pitched girly squeal? Channel, channel Bernie. There you go. Hi, this is Jonathan, <laughs> and I play Jonathan Imagine Muscular. <laughs> ah, helium. If only we all had it. Carlton, a.k.a. John, why don't you tell us what you are drinking and tell us a little bit about your character? Hi, I'm John, and I'm a D&D at, I, I mean, I'm drinking uh, Jones uh, sh- soda. Uh, it's orange and cream soda. Uh, I'm Ooh. the 
other one today not partaking, but I play your lovable official. That sounds delicious anyway. It's basically like drinking a creamsicle. Also, Jonathan is drinking enough booze for all of us. Yes. Agreed. I really am. And and not in a lot of time either. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Carlton. Yeah, I play your uh, lovable oafish half-orc barbarian who, when Bernie says she doesn't heal stupid, it's usually referring to one character in particular. I'm a little bit smarter than I let on, but not that much. I used to carry around, uh, being the largest member of the party, I used to carry around the smallest in a, uh, basically what I used to call my Hodor pack, but now I bought her a puppy, and she rides the puppy instead. I do. And by puppy, we mean a giant mastiff. Yes, a giant mastiff. I was displaced by a marauding orc tribe, uh, and was raised by wolves, and so I am fiercely loyal to my pack, which is now the Heralds of Greenest, and will lay my life on the line for any of them. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. It hasn't yet, but it's come close, and it, it, it helps that you are very hard to kill. I must say- Super hard to kill. I think you do one of the best jobs of, like, knowing what you want to do as a person, and then having your character do the exact fucking opposite thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I know- Or at least knowing exactly what Carlton yeah, should be you doing. Know, like, you know, like, I think there have been several times when you have so obviously known, like, this is not the move we need to be, like, from the strategizing point of view- You've been like, well, this is obviously what we need to do. Now, what would Carlton do? And it's usually not that. And you just like, oh, that like, great, that shiny great sword right there. Ooh, I want that. You're like, no, I'm that's gonna, gonna be a trap. It. And he grabs it. And I like that. I just think it's it's really because I know you play so like you do so much D and D. That's not us, and to like still keep that ability to like separate from yourself from what you know is obviously going on behind the scenes in the game, I really appreciate. I I found a deep connection with almost all of my campaign characters. My one-offs that I do for AL here and there, not so much. The AL campaigns, very deeply invested. Obviously, Dungeon Drunks, Carlton was my very first D&D character ever, so super invested in him and his story and how he's played. Lauren has definitely made me, as a player, cry happy tears on occasion with storyline. Uh, and so it's like I am personally affected I mean, as a player, but also as my character develops and grows and learns. And I try to, like, roleplay different things, like when we level up in multi-class. Let's roleplay it. I love roleplaying. Well, and let's take that to another question that, that might feed into that. If you guys could let me know and let our audience know, do you have a favorite funny or dramatic moment from the show and it it might be one that you know just the first thing to pop into your head uh mine are from the same episode uh my the most dramatic episode is when the uh ranger and bear tried to climb up a giant well while the wizard had spider climb in the other room and it had to do a series of checks where they kept slipping while at the same time i was busy shoving an opal up my ass (laughs) yeah that episode comes up a lot (laughs) the most dramatic moment and i think the most funny moment all in the same episode, yeah. literally five minutes apart. That episode comes up a lot when when I talk to our fans and they, I, I ask them, what's your favorite moment? What's your favorite episode? And the Travancore and Shadow climb the well comes up a lot. It's down to dice rolls. Well, it was dice rolls, but there was also, there were some of the decisions that were made by all of your characters. There were decisions that were made by Travancore and, and Shadow. And some of those dice rolls were amazing. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you got up as high as you did was because of some good planning and because of really good dice rolls. And it was only, like, really catastrophic failure that made you guys slip and fall. And then some other dice rolls. And then there was that that frantic 
call to save a life. Uh, I mean, I guess now that I think about it, well, Bucks would be the first character that I killed, but Shadow in that moment came very close. That was so intense. I will say that I think that as a character, Travancore was early on with his party, relatively, and I think he felt the need to prove his worth and prove himself to to his villager. I don't know if I'm earning the respect or not. And I think that was motivated that from from an RP standpoint. And if it had succeeded, oh man, I mean, Travancore is I think is still seen. Like people talk to him, like they they think he's cool. They think he does things. They like that he has a community character. But man, imagine if he had gotten out of that shit mine. Yeah, that would have been that would have been interesting. That there was, and you were very close. You and Shadow were super close. Any other moments you guys well, want to, to? I wanted to bring up like Bucks's death. Like that was. I mean, it seems like one of the familiars. Like characters come and die, no problem. You know, Travancore <laughs> dies. Kenny Baggins is waiting in the wings. You it's say fine. that, but none of you have died permanently yet. I, you might all change your minds if one of these characters go- right. die, but go but ahead. But when the animals die, it, it, it hits you right in the feels. So, Box, I mean, Jonathan did a really good job with this sort of primal scream. And uh, that was uh, that was touch and go there for a while. I, I did not know what was going to happen. I didn't know if he was going to be able to summon the same owl. I thought maybe they were going to get like uh, like a different pygmy owl or something, but but that was that was very dramatic, especially heading into. I think that was towards the beginning of the the, the, the KGF uh, adventure, towards the middle of it, like when we're actually in the garden. You were actually in the crypt garden when it happened. I think it might have been the episode before you guys hit the rot demon, if if not two. Which I think just added to the stakes of that story. Like, hey, you know what? Not everyone gets out of this one alive. Any other funnier moments? I have one from one of our live shows. And it was the moment after the Hydra Hooch was introduced. Oh, no. and, <laughs> oh God! And for those who haven't seen our live show, uh, uh, one of our one of our fans, one of our lovely, lovely fans, made I some ghost so pepper much. moonshine and present and presented it to Lauren with a Hydra Hooch label, and it made its way onto onto the stage at RTX 2017. Uh, Lauren meant to. Have us cut it with something, not drink it straight. Well, not I not didn't meant know that. to. I had a a cut flask of it ready to go to hand off, and Waylon was in the middle of talking about how you were not supposed to drink it straight, and then I made a terrible, terrible mistake, which was leaving the bottle within arm's reach of Jonathan the Magi Muscular. No, 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 it was of John. It was a John. I didn't grab it. First. Oh no, you're right. I'm no, John. I and, grabbed yeah. it and okay. I paused it, and I regret that decision immensely. You you asked to look at the because the our friends um, Becca and Ethan who made that wonderful Hydra Hooch. Like I talked to them ahead of time, and we had worked out a couple of things so that I could add it into the show. And so the bottle was was wonderful, and the label that was on it is gorgeous. Definitely go to our website uh, dungeondrunks.com to check out pictures of that thing. And so. When Jules, not Bernie, when Jules asked to look at the bottle, I wasn't thinking about those consequences. I wanted to show off the label. And I should have said, you can look at it later. And and the only thing I should have handed over was... But anyway. But anyway. Was, so anyway. John is the first one to take a drink directly from the bottle. And as he's doing so, um, I unhook my mic get up really close to his ear and whisper, Hail Hydra. And it was the <laughs> best use of that stupid joke in two years. 
Because and it was at the exact moment that the high, the ghost pepper moonshine hit me. Yeah, it was perfect timing too. <laughs> Voice activated booze. <laughs> that was uh, that was definitely one of my one of one of the moments that I I really liked. That, I would that consider was that a low. Yeah. Did not like that at all. I still don't like. He posted something on Twitter about like making chili with peppers, and I said, "No, fuck you. I don't want any. Go away." <laughs> I like really like any moment that is based off of me not understanding the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I as a DM, I am so happy that you guys. Like, I know how hard it is for John and Jonathan to play and be be creative with the stuff that they do because they know the rules better. And so it's harder for them to think of anything except the letter of the law. And so I, I have a lot of respect for the two of you because you know all of the rules and you still manage to be creative. But I have envy for the two of you who are still fairly new at this. Although at this point, we've been playing for two years. <gasps> I, you can't really be new. I mean, but like, I feel like that that is that allows you guys to be freeing. Like the shit that you do with your spiritual weapon, half of that shouldn't happen. But <laughs> yeah, it's but funny. <laughs> rule like, of cool, baby. Rule of cool. Best yeah. rule there is. You say we've been playing for two years, but I feel like you put up with a lot of stuff that another DM might not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's partially it's the rule of cool, and I try to walk that line of the, if it doesn't say you can't, you can. That's how I live my entire life in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right? And a lot of time I'm willing to just let things go because it's fun. Spells, I try to, to stick a little more towards what's written, mostly because of a, of balancing. Because I am personally not amazing at balancing. But yeah, I my feeling on this subject is I'd rather say, yeah, sure, why not? If it's going to cause something awesome to happen. Because if I, as a DM, shut down half of your awesome ideas just because it wasn't in the rules... Listen, the first rule in the Dungeon Master's book said, literally, the Dungeon Master's Guide says that the only rule that matters is whatever you say goes. So I can break anything I want. And my view is if you guys are having fun or doing something awesome, then I'm following the rules. Okay, let's let's move on to a couple of other questions. Now that I've had that weird rant, we did get a couple questions from Carly Hayden. Yay, thank you. Travancore, what is your second favorite fruit? <laughs> Oh, wow. For those who are wondering what the question behind that question is, uh, so Travancore is obsessed with apples. The reason is that the Kingdom of of Bracanum, for all of its wealth and advancement and uh, novelty and domestication of bears, there are no apples to be found anywhere in that kingdom. So when you come over to Faerun and there are apples, Travancore is kind of obsessed with them because it's like that one thing you can't get home. Like I guess like Maybe Americans go to Britain and get a Kinder Egg and you can't get them here. Or I, I don't know what another example of that would be. Pineapples. Pineapples. Pi- old school pineapples when uh, the only way you could transport pineapples was by ship and luck. I, that's kind of how I picture it. That like when, when old school English aristocrats would buy a pineapple and they wouldn't even eat it. They just put it out for display because it was such a, a sign of wealth and privilege. Or oranges in Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheer wine. I actually have a <laughs> bottle of cheer wine that I'm going to have for next week. Yay! All right, so we know apples are your, your favorite, but Carly's asking, what's your second favorite fruit? Second favorite. I'm going to say jackfruit. I know it's kind of a weird thing to name, but it makes sense, though. If, if, if Travancore's Kingdom Perconum is truly based on, on Kerala and South India, then I think chukka or jackfruit would have to be up there because it grows everywhere. It's full of protein. It's a na- it's, 
an actual natural superfood as opposed to the apples that Travancore says. Oh, they're they're natural superfood. Un- unlock the awesome power of apples. So yeah, I think <laughs> I think uh, jackfruit makes a lot of sense. Excellent, Carlton. Do you think that you'll ever have a love interest? Uh, Carlton has definitely tried in his younger days, but who knows? He may, uh, it's up to the will of the gods if the right person lands in his lap. Uh, Carl doesn't, Carlton likes all people at this point, uh, except those who try to harm his family. And so... I think that's a very egalitarian way of thinking about it. I I love you unless you're trying to hurt me. Yeah, and so if he meets the right girl, uh, then, and sparks flies, then they do. But he's not going to go out of his way to try to be that oafish baboon that's just going to hit on you the entire time. That was his <laughs> younger self. He's uh, he's grown a little past that as his moral compass kept thwacking him in the head when she would yeah, ride on his shoulders. <laughs> I would just like to say, if Carlton ever did get a love interest, Bernie would do everything she could to embarrass the shit out of him because she loves him. As family does. Bernie's become Carlton's, like, mom, basically. Bernie is Carlton's mom. Well, Bernie... She's my little buddy. Carly would like to know... Does Bernie have any commands she would like to teach Coco Snoot? Oh. And this would probably have to be something fairly exotic because you have to, we haven't gone through a a full list of commands, but you can assume that Coco Snoot knows not just all the basics, but some advanced stuff since he's a kind of a battle dog. (sighs) Truthfully, if Bernie's really thinking about it, like, she'd like to teach Coco Snoot how to steal from people. I mean, like, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like, okay, actually, no, backflips came to my mind. And then I was like, fuck backflips, those are useless. And- well, his dex is a plus two, so he'd get a plus two to any of his sleight of hand, sleight of paw, sleight of, sleight of paw rolls. I feel like it's like, he'd be one of those dogs, like, this is, I now have the entire fucking grift in my head, so this is good. Thank you. Uh- <laughs> All right, then you know what? I kind of want to leave it there so <laughs> yeah. we can just explore that we'll in explore game. Explore that in game. Exactly. Uh, and then Carly did have a, a question for Jonathan. Do you give extra treats to Bucks now that he's back? I can't. I, I feel like I feel like Jonathan the Magimuscular would. I, I like personally, I would probably like try to return to normal. After that, like, okay, sense of normalcy, all that. But Jonathan the Magimuscular behind his, all his bravado has just this really big heart, especially when it comes to his buddy. So yeah, there, there, there are one or two more, more little cornlets or more little nuts in, uh, in his morning, uh, in his morning owl rations. Aww. He, he maybe, he gets a, a little rat, uh, every, every, every so often, probably a little more than he should. And he has Carlton to thank for that because Carlton has a, has a feature that lets him, essentially get small Forge. animals yeah when i'm in the woods at least i don't know how well that will work in water deep let's find oh, out rodents of unusual size from water deep bucks would be like oh <laughs> blessings <laughs> to bay he'll spend a whole like 10 day trying to eat it bucks knows who brings home the bacon i summon bucks he's busy eating the rat <laughs> yep for the next three weeks. Have you guys ever seen Sewer Rat? We also got an email from uh, one of our, our lovely fans, Lori Carroll, who emailed a bunch of questions. I'm not going to do all of them because some of them we've already explored, but she asked a couple of, of really interesting ones. What is your favorite ability that your character has? Or is there a favorite ability that another character in your party has? I love Sculpt Spell. Sculpt Spell... For any vote for anyone that casts area effects is fucking awesome. 
That's the thing, for those that don't know, is what allows Jonathan to plunk a fireball in the middle of everybody, but not hurt his friends. Uh, I would probably say my unarmored defense, because it, like, it lets me be a little bit more creative, like, in my outfit of the day. Oh, yeah, first I'm running around in a loincloth, and then I needed a pockets, and there was no pocket, so you know where that goes in that case, so now I need pants. And, hey, now it's cold outside, so now I need to get a shirt. Basically, my unarmored defense has started a lot of shopping montages. Uh, Travancore, <laughs> do you have a favorite uh, ability of yours or of someone else in the party? I'm going to say Hunter's Mark, if only because I wasn't doing it all the time at first. And then, you know, Jonathan sort of walked me through the mechanics of it. It's like, there's no limit on when you can do it. Once you it, you kill the target, you can move it to somebody else. And it sort of made me immensely more powerful on that and the ability to charge the flare bow, only because I feel like that's sort of feast or famine. Like, it either works and it puts a lot of damage into an enemy, or it just, it's a broad and when it misses it misses spectacularly and i love the idea of this flaming arrow of this <laughs> a weapon of engine of devastation sort of whizzing by the head or just missing by a mile its target and then lighting up the night sky <laughs> but then just imagine it hitting a tree like the alchemy jug i'm waiting for the moment where you do use that in a non-combat situation oh, i'm man. excited about that <laughs> mm. bernie how about you I really, I can't, I'm so stoked to use this. I really love Turn Undead. I love that it gets, like, crazier and crazier. Like, I actually, I mean, I kind of love it in an opposite and similar way to the way I like the spell Inflict Wounds. Like, there is, like, this really weirdo goth part of me <laughs> that wants <laughs> to have Bernie just, like, go dark. <laughs> That's just a phase your Bernie's going through. It's just a phase. She's going to dye her hair black. <laughs> but like no i just I, I there's something like i really i really like any ability that lets this tiny little creature just like emit all this power that she really shouldn't have i love dynamics like that so like i like that i'm gonna get to basically just like destroy undead a turn undead and b just like turn them to ash and yeah i'm so so stoked for what i believe is a situation where we will get to use that soon and also I know that what's going to happen is it's going to fail spectacular. Well, here's here's the good thing. As someone who was, was a cleric in 4th edition and was super upset with how Turn Undead got nerfed in 4th edition and where it could fail spectacularly, there was, I'll tell, I'll tell a brief story from my history. 4th edition had a thing called Minions, which I think is a brilliant idea. Minions essentially are the idea that they are monsters that only have one hit point, and they are literally minions. You can have some big, strong dude who is commanding an army that sweeps towards you. And undead were one of those perfect things. It makes characters feel super powerful when they can just swath through groups of enemies. Turn undead in fourth edition, there was a, a caveat in where if the car if the undead made its saving throw, they only took half damage, which normally would still be a lot of damage. Except minions had this thing in where if they took half damage, they actually took no damage. Because you're a minion, you only have one hit point. So it's all or nothing. Yeah, exactly. So as much as I loved 4th edition, there was a lot of good about it. As a cleric in 4th edition, I was super pissed because any being that made it saving throw, it failed miserably. I didn't get to do 
anything simply because of the way minions worked. Now, normally you cast Turn Undead a lot of the time when it was hordes of minions. So Turn Undead is one of those quintessential powers that clerics in D&D have that I, I am super happy to see that it still does shit even when it's not as good as it should be. Yeah. No, I like that idea. I like I just love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I am also looking forward to throwing hordes of undead at you because it's fun. Um, another question from Lori. She basically asks the body swapping question. If you had a chance to be body swapped in where it was Bernie's mind in another character's body, uh, who would each of you choose to play as physically at least for a game and why? I would play as Shadow. Do we st- do we get their powers or just their physical appearance? You so literal body swap. It's it's your mind in some in another character's body with all the powers. So it's it's Carlton's personality, or, or in this case, so Jonathan has just said you would play a shadow. So it'd be Jonathan's personality in the body of a bear. And I actually know someone who just made a a race a playable race of bears. So as a homebrew, it's a homebrew up in DM's Guild. And so, hey, maybe we can make that happen. But why why Shadow? I feel like there would be a lot of shenanigans that could be had with Jonathan the Magimuscular in Shadow's body. Like, Shadow's already a pretty noble bear as it comes. Like, he's smarter. He's literally smarter than the average bear. And he is is a, a really good and faithful companion. But there is definitely room for, hey... I am going to go and sit in a stately restaurant with a top hat and a monocle as a bear. There's or or I'm going to pull off some caper pretending to be a normal bear, but really I'm me. And especially if if I have my magic, then that's even better. I just feel there's lots of shenanigans that could happen with Jonathan the Magic Muscular inside a bear body. Oh, that's so good. Oh, no one can top that. No, that's that's pretty good. So, Bernie, if you could take over the body of one of your companions and have all of their powers for a day, who would you choose? Oh, Carlton. Because <laughs> I was going to choose you. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> nice. We are, see, we're, Carlton and Bernie are soulmates. Best friends ever. Like, not in a romantic way, but like in a like, there are these two strange people who found one another. <laughs> It's sort of like in Love Actually when when Bill Nye or Bill Nahi and his manager, he's like, "You're the fucking love of my life," and it's not. It's it's a platonic, we are be- the best of friends kind of thing. And it's like no matter what she says to him, like it's never like like she's always like Carlton, no. But it's like in her head, she's like she'll like she knows the socially acceptable thing is to correct him, so she does. But in her head, she's like Carlton, keep going. <laughs> and like, and she can't, she can't always egg him on because, like, somebody has to behave between the two. No, remember when I thought you were going to make me giant and then you didn't? Yeah. I was like, Bernie's going to smash everything. <laughs> and, like, I feel like, I feel like it would be Bernie's voice as well in Carlton's body. And so she, sure, why not? <laughs> so she would have to do, like, because we're obviously, like, because... We're obviously like it'd be Bernie's voice. Like I don't need to keep Bernie's magic. Like Jonathan, Jonathan doesn't have a voice, so he gets to keep his magic. But Bernie gets in Carlton's body, and she's like, "I'm Carlton. I'm gonna smash things," and she's just gonna like pick fights, do all <laughs> the stupid things she condone or does not can't condone when she has to heal you. 
but she's just gonna, like, like, he gets so many fucking attacks, like, as a fighter, he's just gonna be able to attack and attack and attack. And I just, you know, Kevin doesn't do much damage. Wait till I get my expanded crit range. She might put some things in her butt. <laughs> so, okay, the one thing that has been discussed is since, since we've all leveled up and both Bernie and Jonathan the Match Muscular now have fourth level spells, the subject of polymorph has come up. Who's gonna get polymorphed? What are they gonna get polymorphed into? We've talked about this. I feel like with this new insight, Bernie should be polymorphed into a giant ape. No, Bernie should just be polymorphed into a larger Bernie. If I could like, do that, I that's would. That's not polymorph. <laughs> that's, that's enlarge, that's reduce. A different, that's enlarge. That is enlarge reduce is another spell that that Jonathan can learn. So, so maybe it's, it's in it's the not silent that <laughs> <laughs> the look on Julia's face right now, like, oh, God. oh my God, please, yes. Uh, now I have another spell on my shopping list. Sadlack can tell us what he would do as Tiny Bernie. What Carlton would do. You, like, Bernie is so, not well-behaved, she gets into the little bit shenanigans, but she's very well put together. She is. She's a basic People bitch. listen to her. They don't take her for granted. Like, oh, she's just a big, dumb idiot. So it would be nice to be, like, listened to and, like, give a command and people will follow it. But I also like the fact that I will then get to be on top of Carlton's shoulders and be even taller and get to see what it's like from up there. But I also enjoy the fact of, like, if I have to go do, like, uh, priestly services to a temple, that's just going to go horribly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am going to I'm gonna be so out of place, like, uh, just, like, kind of humming the general tune to the pr- hymns and the prayers where I think I'm doing it okay. You know, single ladies, Bernie's taught you some of the hymnal. But not enough to, like, be doing the pre- <laughs> like, to run it. I just remember- Like, as a priest. Picture, I can picture Carlton's voice coming out of Bernie's body going- Yeah, oh, that too. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 So, Travancore- if you had the chance to be to inhabit another character's body for a day and use all of their powers, who would you choose? So I'm actually going to say Carlton Tanks, and the reason for that is that Carlton for, apparently wins. <laughs> yeah, for all of you know Tra- Travancore's uh, you know nimbleness and dexterity and rangerness and survival and and strategy and tactics, something about him you know being the ability to have that raw, unchecked aggression. Like in with Travancore's mind reminds him of kind of like the, the Maestro from uh, from Marvel Comics. So the Maestro is sort of this future version of the Hulk, where he has like Bruce Banner's intellect, but he has the Hulk strength. But he's also like this dictator ruling this post-apocalyptic scene, and he's sort of gone mad from like um, from nuclear radiate gamma radiation. Uh, so the idea of Travancore basically doing that, I mean, it it pretty much guarantees that he would do that full on heel turn to use the wrestling parlance if he ever had that kind of strength. But um, but yeah, I think that Travancore as a character would definitely is be into that. So you just scri- described to us the what the other answer to the question no one else has asked, which is what would happen if your character got the Ring of Power. Mm. Which is, like, if you give Travancore, like, Travancore's gonna have tons of political power in his future, deals with it fine, and you give him an inkling of strength, and he's like, I'ma fuck shit up. (laughs) (laughs) I've become a terrible queen! Beautiful and terrible as the dawn! Beautiful and terrible like the dawn! Yeah, it would be awesome. I think that specific kind of power would corrupt, absolutely. I love that you found that, like, orc strength is your corrupting power. That makes me so happy. All right, we have gone way longer than I thought we could, which shouldn't surprise me because 
I just, all I have to do is hand you guys something mildly interesting and you guys turn it into something amazing. So I shouldn't be surprised. I will ask one last question before we wrap up of the whole group. We've kind of finished chapter two. We've had a couple of episodes of you guys trolling around in Waterdeep and, you know, buying some stuff and finishing up some side quests and doing things. And we are, are slowly moving our way into the next part of your adventure, chapter three, as I like to call it. You guys have had the chance to me a bunch of times to tell me what you or your characters want. And certainly in Waterdeep, you guys have had a chance to explore those those options. What is, if you could choose one thing that your character could do or find out about right now, what would it be? And we'll we'll start with Travancore and we'll we'll go around. So those of you who've been listening from the beginning remember uh Wondergod, that sort of mad wizard who is in that the mine near Greenest, and how sort of he mentioned that he had this sort of tower, and he had done studies into controls of dragons, and he'd also had his own like sort of, you know, descent into into madness. And for reasons that remain known only to Travancore, madness is something that interests is interesting to him. So I think at some point that tower and I think it might actually be near Waterdeep if I remember correctly, it will be worth investigating. It's not terribly near, but you kinda know where it is. I I believe somewhere in your bag of holding or maybe uh back in Greenest, I'd have to double check. You guys have the deed to that tower that says where it is. So But also you also know how just how shitty we are at maps in this party. Fair. Yeah, you guys have options about getting places, and certainly Jonathan has options about getting you there. Bernie. What would Bernie like to do? One one thing. Oh, she wants to join the thieves. Like the conversation, and this is a couple episodes back now, I think I told you guys all this when we were done, like, recording, but we were still on Skype, and I was like, there's, you know, the moment in Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, where Susan Sarandon's character is like, she's like, you see her face go, bad idea, let's do it. And, I mean, she's not going to go sleep with a bunch of people, which is not necessarily a bad idea, to tell you the truth. Um, But she just went like, oh, this sounds like a great idea. Like, I think they were in the middle of telling Travancore about this, like, awesome sword. And he, they were like, please be careful. Like, you're oh, going to get. Bow. Or the bow. The awesome bow. I don't know what it was a sword. Yeah, it's like, I'm like, Travancore is going to get his bow. And it's going to be great. And Bernie's going to get professional tutelage and stealing things. Like, Bernie was like, these could be also my people. Like, she's sort of a charlatan already. And, like, I think she just really wants to go in and, like, make Bernie-style friends with the Thieves' Guild, which is probably not going to go over well, because I don't think she fits their, like, personality test, but, yeah, she- You won't know until you try. And, uh, Bernie, uh, Jules, how does Bernie steal things? Oh, she steals things, she puts them in her pillow, her pillowcase for stealing things. She's got a pillowcase. (laughs) She also has a pillow that, like, the pillowcase doesn't go on anymore, but she, um, she's going to, I have this, she's going to walk into the Thieves Guild and be like, guys, look, I've got a pillowcase, and they're going to be like, oh, God, why? And then they'll hate her so much that she's like, I'll leave if you give my friend this bow, and they'll be like, yes, go the fuck away. And it'll be great. I love this plan. Let's make it happen. Carlton, so we we know you just had a big arc that included finding out about your family, and we do know from the last episode that you wanted to find out, uh, get the answer to that question about who might have survived from your initial try, but is there something else, one thing that Carlton would like to do? Yeah, so definitely the, like you were saying, the finding out who's remaining, that's always going to be prevailing in Carlton's heart. But Carlton, 
definitely has gotten a taste for the adventure and exploring now. Like, he's kind of seen the world a bit, but he's never seen the Underdark. And I feel like that would be a fun place for him that he might want to explore at some point in the future. Hmm. And dangerous. And exciting. And Jonathan. You you have done one of your goals, which was you're in the process of joining the Watchful Order of Magis and Protectors. What's one other thing that Jonathan has, as I said, on doing? Dorveen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think you should just leave it right there. We I will. That's kind of perfect. <laughs> All right. For those of you who this might be the first time you've ever heard us, thank you once again for listening to this little introduction to Dungeon Drunks. We release new episodes every Monday. If you are listening to this the week of the podcast of Annihilation, this episode comes out for us on Mondays, but our actual new episode that's part, part of the Podcast of Annihilation will come out Thursday, September 21st on the Dungeon Dell feed. But if you are subscribed to us, you will hear that episode as part of our canon next week. But we definitely suggest that you listen to all of the other shows that are on the Podcast of Annihilation. Monday, you'll be getting Nerd Poker and Taking Initiative. Tuesday, you'll be getting Encounter Roleplay and Dungeon Rats. Wednesday, you'll be getting Sneak Attack and a podcast that should be our sister podcast, Drunks and Dragons. Thursday, you'll be getting Venture Maidens and Dungeon Drunks. And since you've listened it this long, I will, I will tease you with the fact that one of the players in the Venture Maidens joins us. On that Dungeon Drunks episode, we have our first special guest coming up, and she is wonderful and fantastic. And Friday, you get D&D is for nerds, and you meet in a tavern. And all of those will be dealing with Chult and the Tomb of Annihilation. And I haven't killed anybody yet. I don't think. You'll have to listen on Thursday to find out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Any last-minute thoughts before we, we, we leave for the evening? I'm talking about our special guest. She was an absolute joy to play with. Yeah, I hope uh, our characters get to run into her again. Yes, I do too. She was agreed. Awesome. If it works out, I would love because to have she her back. Inflated Carlton's ego so much, and it's going to take Bernie so long to get it back down to a normal level. I know. <laughs> There's a lot of work to bring bring that back, rein it in. Such a good part of the team in terms of fighting, but she's like such a good foil for Bernie because she's so like, yes, you're awesome. And Bernie's like, will you stop? They suck. We've got to keep this in check. (laughs) So like, I just enjoy having another lady in the party. Number one. Bernie was like, you got to stop that. You got to stop that. But then like, but, but keep it coming for me because that like the two of you bonded in a very fun way that I thought was, you know, we only had two hours and you guys made a wonderful new friend who was awesome and filled a bag of holding holding full of swamp water. Did do that. I don't that know was, why, that, that but we did. Yep. And that's all that you'll get for spoilers for the next episode <laughs> of that. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get to hear why their bag of holding is now full of swamp water on Thursday <laughs> or next week when you listen to our new episode. Anyway, come chat with us on Twitter, come talk to us at our website, come send us an email at contact at dungeondrunks.com, and we'll see you next time. Uh, Lauren, how much XP do we get for this session? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to our adventure. Follow us on Twitter at Dungeon Drunks, or find us online at www.dungeondrunks.com, and see you next encounter.